Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delectable page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Nadarim 79, we talk about things that we do and things that we vow not to do and how we draw the line. Have a listen. Rabbi Yossi said, These are not vows of affliction. Rather, these are vows of affliction. For example, if a woman said, the produce of the entire world is konam for me, is forbidden to me, as if it were an offering, he, her husband, can nullify the vow, as it certainly involves affliction. How could you avoid the produce of the entire world? If, however, she said, the produce of this country is konam for me, he cannot nullify the vow as it does not involve affliction, since he may still bring her produce from another country. Similarly, if she said, the produce of this storekeeper is kunam for me, he cannot nullify her vow, as he may still bring her produce from another storekeeper, but if she can obtain her substance only from him, that particular storekeeper, he can nullify the vow. This is a statement of Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi, in other words, is teaching us if someone goes ahead and says, I am not going to eat any more food, period. Well, that's just not realistic. But if someone says, hey, man, I'm just not going to eat food that comes from this storekeeper or from that country, uh, that is something you could live with. It teaches us to put boundaries on our vows. And I think it was really an invitation to talk about so many interesting practices that so many of us have when we make conscientious, mindful choices of what we want to do and not do, what we want to eat and not eat. And that is why I have the tremendous pleasure of welcoming for the first time to the podcast, Rabbi Shuli Paso, the Director of Community Engagement on in New York's mighty Upper West Side Bnei Jeshurun Congregation. Rabbi Paso, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, there are so many reasons why I'm excited to have you, uh, to share your wisdom, but I'm particularly excited because I've, I've heard it told through the rabbinic grapevine, if you will, that you practice a very wonderful habit involving precisely this, the notion of, of being mindful about choosing what you eat or not eat and when. Tell us a little bit about it and why. I think you said it really well. Mindful choices, mindful decision-making, any choice that we make, any expenditure of resources is in some way a reflection of our values and, and our priorities. And uh, this came up for me in, in quite a live way when I decided to become a vegetarian when I was 12 years old. And I started out for many years becoming a vegetarian, which was very much an affliction similar to this, to the this passage that you just read from the Duff, because I really did like meat. And then I had a roommate for a couple of years who was a very big meat eater. And there was always meat being served in our apartment for for dinner, for uh, barbecues, all sorts of things. And I thought to myself, how can I continue to live with these, this sense of integrity and, and connection to the values that I hold dear and also maybe eat meat because I really like meat. So I decided at that time that I would eat chicken and not red meat um, because the ecological impact of chicken is smaller, lesser than red meat. But eventually, I learned about the practice of Rav Abraham Isaac Cook, who was the first chief rabbi of Israel. 
who wrote a lot, uh, a fair amount about uh, vegetarianism and whether that was the ideal uh, way that God intended us to eat. And he himself did not eat meat during the week, but would eat some on Shabbat. And I thought that this was a really fascinating and effective way of bridging this gap between the world as it is and the world as it should be, so to speak. The world as it is with my desire and enjoyment of meat and the world as it should be, which is, for me, a vegetarian uh, lifestyle. And I think that the idea behind it, I, I'm not an expert on Rav Cook, so I'm not going to speak about, about him and how he didn't write specifically about how his values informed this choice, but he was a Kabbalist and he really understood that not eating meat and vegetarianism was for the Messianic era whenever that would come. And part of why he would eat meat on Shabbat was a reminder that he, that we are not there. Um, that was a little different for me. For me, it was more about elevating Shabbat or giving myself an opportunity to enjoy something on Shabbat that I don't eat and, and get to enjoy during the week while still being committed to a certain practice that was informed by my values. Now, speaking of Shabbat and speaking of food, your congregation, and I might have been guilty of telling a joke or two on the Unorthodox podcast about this very subject, recently made some headlines when you made decisions about what to serve and not to serve during the Shabbos Kiddush, right? Yes, we did. Uh, I think you are not the only person who made many jokes uh, about that. Again, I, what I and I think it was you who may have said this on the podcast, or or maybe the the other host. You know, there was some joking and then a reflection that when we choose what we're going to eat, even if we're not consciously doing it, we are bringing in certain values. When we think about what we want to serve for Shabbat or for a meal, what is familiar to us, what is our, our family's traditional Seder food, all of these things are an expression of our values and the things that are important to us, priorities. And so for BJ, we are fully aware that uh, choosing not to serve locks at Kiddush was not going to make any dent in the fishing industry uh, or save the planet by any means, but that it was a symbolic statement to say we recognize that there's an impact to our choices and we want to make this decision guided by a particular value of concern for the environment, the, the oceans. So, I think it was a moment where we chose to privilege one value over another at that time, and it certainly was not in any way um, a reflection of a sense of, you know, by eating locks, we know, we think we're going to save the planet. And just as I might have, it's a sentiment that I appreciate greatly, and I appreciate greatly you being our guest today. Rabbi Paso, thank you so much. Thank you, Leo. This has been Take One. If you enjoyed the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One 
merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruske, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmucha, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.